0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed.
1: In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. Good afternoon. Peace be upon you and welcome to another episode of the Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. Today with myself Raza and brother as Assalamu alaikum to you.
0: Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be on you brother. How are you this afternoon? Al-hamdulillah. Al-hamdulillah.
2: Friday
1: afternoon. What's uh, up with the healthy stuff here on the on It's not healthy stuff. It's, it's not healthy stuff. It's water with a little bit of I like cold tea. Cold tea. Yeah. So it's it's uh, some cold afternoon tea here. Yep. All right. Now, over the next 2 hours we are going to be with you talking about first half Brother uh, the it's about Hajj, the pilgrimage to the house to the house of God in Mecca
0: yes interesting Um, what we've been doing on drive time this week has been covering the pillars Mm. of Islam and um, Hajj the pilgrimage pilgrimage is not something which is uh, unknown within religions there have been uh, you know people have been paying um, what's the word people go and pay their not respects is Mm. not the word Uh, fulfilled uh, fulfilled their I don't know um people go and cleanse themselves mm, yes. people go and kind of uh Sir, rebirth yes um i th- i think the word one one can use um and uh, pilgrimage is 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 a must um it's uh, it's it's compulsory um but <coughs> that's subject to um certain conditions it is compulsory um, in in to all muslims um and uh in and this is what we're going to be discussing um in uh, in today's program in the first hour or so. Um, And the Islamic pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. And just to clarify, um, and I think we've done it quite a few times, um, it's not something Islam... uh, Saudi Arabia, we mentioned because that's where the location is. Mm -hmm. But Saudi Arabia, I think, came about in 1938. But... The country. The country. Um, But the Islam religion is not... uh, Came before. It it came 1,400 years before. Because the reason I say that is a lot of people who... You know, people who are not uh, historically aware or or they they automatically assume Saudi Arabia is uh, the, the, you know, the the place where um, as a country, um, the the birth of Islam and the Mm -hmm. birth of Saudi Arabia itself are kind of linked, which they're not.
1: All right. Good. We're going to get into this uh, in just a little bit, uh, in, in, in a few moments' time. But then, moving on, in the second half of the program, after the news at 5, we're going to talk about uh, destiny and divine decree or free will. That's the question that we're going to be trying to answer. And on that note, there's a question we're asking you on Instagram. So if you go to our Instagram story, Voice of Psalm UK, The question is, what determines our destiny? Is it our free will or is it God that predetermines our destiny? Now, um, so if you have any questions, if you have anything that you would like to share when it comes to any topic—the first one about the Islamic pilgrimage, or the second one about divine decree or free will—by all means, do give us a call: zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can send us a tweet at UK or on Instagram. Each year, every year, a tremendous amount of Muslims, well, that was actually pre-pandemic, from all over the world perform the pilgrimage, which is performed during the Islamic month of Dhul Hijjah, which comes two months after the festival of Eid al-Fitr, which is after the month of Ramadan. And according to the General Authority of Statistics issued by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia for the year 2016, Pre-pandemic, a total of one million eight hundred sixty-two thousand nine hundred and nine pilgrims. Wow, that's a that's a big number. No- almost almost two million people visited Mecca during the Hajj, during the Islamic pilgrimage, to perform um, this Islamic, this spiritual this um, religious ritual, which is, as Brother Q mentioned, one of the five pillars of Islam. So in today's show, we will explore, explore the elements and also the chronological steps of the pilgrimage and try to elaborate the meaning as well as the background of this Islamic command. Now, As I said, the fifth act of the Islamic worship is the performing of the Hajj or the pilgrimage to Mecca. It is a duty, it's a must upon every Muslim to perform this pilgrimage at least once in their lifetime. Not once a year, not once every... It's once a lifetime. Of course, there are some prerequisites, there are some conditions applied. If the economic, if the political... Um, conditions they allow them to do so, meaning, meaning that you must be
0: able to afford yes. to do to, to 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 be able to, um, uh, to carry out this this journey. Yeah, and also you you need to be in in good fit and there's a reason why I say this. You need to be in good physical and medical yeah. condition to do this because the pilgrimage, it's physically um, very strange. It is it is um um i mean i, I remember when my parents um they, they when they they did the, the pilgrimage and when they came back and that's one thing uh, as much as the joy and the fulfillment one gets mm. and, and you can see that in the face of people once they've done it but uh, when when you have discussions with people who have performed the hajj um it is um it is a very strenuous yeah. exercise but Um, Here, it it, it must be said, um, you know, credit needs to be given to the Saudi government because over the years, they have made the pilgrimage um, a lot easier uh, for people where they have created passageways, tunnels, air-conditioned. I mean, Saudi Arabia is a hot country. Mm. So, you know, they have... uh, um, they have made this journey more easy for people to do. Yeah. So it is. It becomes less strenuous. So more and more people are able to
1: to carry out. On one point eight million in twenty sixteen, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show. One point eight, almost like let let's say two million people, two million people in one place. Okay. You have to have some serious measures in place to make sure that, uh, first of all, the safety and security, then the comfort. Uh, transportation, water, food, all of that is is put in place, so the pilgrimers can concentrate on on what 's important
0: and yes, you know initially, um, I remember going back i think more than a decade ago, there were people who there are people who pass away mm. there is deaths yeah um, that happen um because of age, because of illnesses, because of various reasons, but you know there there was stampedes once mm. um but there was a fire as well there was was a fire as well but what people have done and what the governments and what the officials have done who are in charge of this um, they have they truly have learned Mm. and you know they haven't just done lip service they have made the facility more and more um, um, welcoming more and more easy Mm. um, and and made it a a, a more of a a take the strenuousness out where people um, you know can come and you know Elderly people who are maybe w- with the walking aids mm. or people on wheelchairs, yeah. so it's become more and more accessible to people who normally, um, as you say, two million people is a lot of people. Yeah, um, and uh, it's uh, you know it's people made with disabilities as well. People with disabilities, you know, it's it's become a lot more um, uh, an easier place to get to, um, and and um, and again, as I said, uh, credit must go to the caretakers of the event mm. who are fulfilling this. Uh, and making it possible for people, um, and making it possible for Muslims to fulfill this pillar yeah. of Islam. So, you know, it, it's
1: it's something that, that uh, needs to be said. So, what is, we're going to mention a few main points here um, that I think even if you are um, not a Muslim, you probably have seen them, you probably have heard about them. You probably are not aware of the details of these things. Let's start off with the main, maybe like the focal point of this pilgrimage, which is the Kaaba. Now, the Kaaba is that black cube in the midst of the sacred mosque in uh, Mecca, where you will see these millions and millions and millions of people Um, walking around it they're trying to get as close to the Kaaba as possible well what is what's the significance why is that why does that specific cube play such an important role what's the philosophy behind it what's the history behind it Um, and, and why is it so important for Muslims not just who are there in the vicinity but also for people all across the globe for Muslims all across the globe we believe, Muslims believe, that this was, as mentioned in the Holy Quran, <clears throat> the first house for, built for the worship of God Almighty. And this was rebuilt by the prophet uh, Abraham. and before I, I'm that... glad you said rebuilt. Yeah.
0: There, there, again, what's the word? There are narrations mm. where it said that angels um, built... Um, the Kaaba, mm. at the command of God Almighty. And it is said to be one of the first uh, or the first um, building, mm. if one was to use a modern-time word, um, where you worship God Almighty.
1: Yeah. So it goes back all the way, well, according to, to this Adam. one. To Prophet, to Prophet Adam. Adam.
0: But um, over, over the years, it mm. um, the you know because of uh, disasters because of weathers and yeah, climates yeah. it it, it the, the the building diminished and then they say, again when uh, at the time of prophet noah the flood um completely it it lost um the the any any signs were were lost hmm. of this building and only one um raised stone was left yeah and that's where um, the Kaaba was
1: rebuilt. Yeah, by Prophet Abraham. By, by Prophet. Hence, why rebuilt? Yes. And, and this 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 story, this incident, is also mentioned in the Holy Quran when yes, it is. Prophet Abraham rebuilt the Kaaba with with his sons. Yep. Um, for again, for the for for the worship. For uh, establishing the oneness, the unity of God Almighty. And when and and
0: God Almighty had revealed to Prophet Abraham the exact location. where where the location was. Yeah. And when he started look when he started digging in this location, the original foundations of the building which Prophet Adam hmm.
1: they were found. Bah. That's amazing. So you're like <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, I mean this the, the, it tells you the significance. We're talking about you know the greatest prophets. We're talking about the first prophet ever to be sent to to mankind prophet Adam. Yeah. Then you have, you know, the, the the father of of all of the Abrahamic religions.
0: But, but then Adam. you see that makes sense. Hmm. Because we believe as Muslims prophet Adam was a prophet of God. Yeah. And and the fact that this and the significance of this building isn't just the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, yeah. it goes beyond that. Mm. And it has to go to the beginning. It yeah. must. And the fact that all of these instances have happened, there, there is a connection.
1: Yeah, And then it, when you look at Prophet Abraham, why, why, why him? Yes. It comes back to the point that uh, you love to make, and well, we love to make actually here on the drive time at yeah. least, it's about the unity, the universality of the religion of Islam, about of of the message of 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 Islam, yep. and believing him to be the source or the father of the Abrahamic religion, which is Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Yep. It's it's a message for all. It is because look, um,
0: if one was to look at, uh, I mean, not taking anything away from any other faiths, sure, but majority of the religions. Um, people who believe in a certain religion um, would come from uh, Islam, Christianity, mm-hmm. or Judaism. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't take anything away from other faiths sure. because Hinduism has been around for years. Yeah. But uh, but then, you know, for, for us... Um, um, when we talk of Prophet Krishna and mm. Prophet Buddha, they they still have, uh, we we still give them and we still believe in them to be the prophets. Mm. But they were from more the Eastern, yeah. um, uh, uh, peninsula. Whereas here we were talking, um, and, and you know th- there are connections, sure, which do kind of, uh, if you go into the history of of religion, you will find that there will be connections, um, that were links, um, that would be between all the faiths. Mm. But here. The, today the show is is about the building yeah. where you know where the building is very significant yeah. when we talk about doing a pilgrimage um, hence why it's important that we mention um the 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 role of all the prophets over time um,
1: who were significant to the
0: the holy Kaaba
1: exactly so as I mentioned this is not just significant for people who go to the city of Mecca who do perform the the pilgrimage who perform the Hajj or even the smaller version of, of, of the Umrah but it is also important and significant for Muslims all around the world because when we face and when we stand in prayer there's a certain direction that Muslims from all across the globe are supposed to face mm. and that Direction is the direction of, of the Holy Kaaba.
0: Which never used to be.
1: Which never used to
0: be. Before, even at the time of yes. the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, they used to pray towards the dome. Yeah. And the Holy Prophet always had the desire, mm. always had the desire that Muslims, because the, the commandment of Salat or doing prayer mm. was, one of, was, uh, was one of the first commandments of yes. God Almighty. So the holy prophet always had the desire he never prayed for it hmm. he only had the desire that muslims that were praying towards jerusalem hmm. should pray towards yes. the holy but, kaaba yeah. only remember desire he never asked god for it yeah. but then um he, but then he he was doing his prayers at this particular mosque yeah. and mid prayer he had a revelation, revelation yeah. And mid prayer he had a revelation to change direction towards uh, the, Holy Kaaba. the Holy Kaaba, and that mosque is known as the Mosque with Two Kiblas. Yes, M- Mosque Qibla 10. Qibla 10. and this historic took t- t- and and it used to be called Bani Salma, the Mosque of Bani Salma, and is now known as the Mosque to, 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 to Qiblas. And this, 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 this um, little narration and this, this small tale I've told you is backed with uh, you know this event that I've told you about. It's actually chronicled in the Holy Quran in chapter 2, verse 145, where it says, Verily, we see thee turning thy face mm-hmm. often to heaven. Surely then will, will we make thee turn to the Qibla which thou likest. So turn thy face towards the sacred mosque, and wherever you be, turn your faces towards it. And they to whom the book has been given know that this is the truth from their Lord, and Allah is not unmindful of what they do. I mean, you know, again, we've so many times we've said the holy, the, the, the holy book, the holy Quran is word of God Almighty, and the embodiment of the holy Quran is the holy prophet may peace and blessings of allah be upon him and this this itself where you know a desire by the holy prophet you know was was to um, um was to to face towards the, the holy kaaba and god almighty um um you know kind of fulfilled his desire without him having to ask and then and and mentioned it and it's mentioned in the holy quran in chapter 2 um verse 145 again it it the, the point of this is to show the significance um, to the Muslims of uh, of the Holy of the Holy Kaaba, and and why so many Muslims, not in hundreds, not in thousands, mm-hmm. in millions, uh, and you know, some people pray all their lives to enable them. May God enable them in in, a, in a, you know, physically and mentally and and <coughs> and financially to be able to carry
1: this this uh, this journey out once in a lifetime. And it's also there to create again everything that we are going to say today, everything that you. You hear about the religion of Islam. It it all evolves around first of all the unity of God Almighty, but then secondly, it's not just um, yeah that's the the main mission, that's the main objective. Every act of worship that you do, every act um, that you do, every charity, uh, every charitable act doesn't matter. But apart from that, there's also one point to unite not just you in the worship of God Almighty, but you as as a Muslim as a brotherhood, as, as a nation, as as mankind. And that's the same thing that we see here. If you had, for example, people from, from different parts of the world praying towards different directions or no direction at all, you wouldn't find that unity. But because you, uh, you know, it does, regardless of which part of the world you're in, you're all facing the same direction. It's not just facing the same direction. That brotherhood that you're talking about, is visible as well, yeah. Because you
0: all look the same, yeah. You all look the same. Yeah. You're dressed the same, yeah. And the reason you look uh, and 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 uh, dress the same way because your worldliness, your 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 worldliness, hmm. uh, your world status, your world position, hmm. your world wealth, poverty yeah. is irrelevant yeah. when you enter this house of God. Absolutely, you are one. And that, and that's the most powerful part, even when you look at Western uh, commentators, yeah. um, when they compare pilgrimage to different places, and then they compare it to, to, to the, the, the holy Kaaba,, yeah. they are in awe, yeah. because everyone is the same. Again, in the eyes of God, it's irrelevant what your social economic mm. status is in the world so effectively you leave the world outside yeah. and you are you are kind of presenting yourself to god almighty and again what did, what did we start with rebirth mm. so effectively you are the same you're going there and 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 you're presenting yourself to god almighty mm. saying this is who we are with the brotherhood with yeah. everyone and and you know we are we are effectively as we were born, because when you're born you're wrapped up in what in a white cloth yeah and if one was to give it a modern day representation when you go in front of god you're your you your- clean shaved head yeah and and you're wrapped up in a in a in, in a in a, a white cloth, cloth yeah. which we will disc- which we will go into later yeah. on as to the, the significance of it but but that's you you're presenting yourself to god as in um as pure you can be yeah uh, and 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 uh, and you're going there because uh, you know you are there um to to seek his pleasure to seek his forgiveness uh, and to kind of um you know um to to earn the blessings of of this event um you know as uh, as uh, you know we we will go into yeah. Um, When we go into the elements um, and and talk about the elements of uh, what the pilgrimage is all about,
1: as I said, you you rightly mentioned when you mentioned that we all look the same. What does that mean? Just just in a a few minutes, we'll 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 get into this. But before that, um, as far as the time of of the uh, Hajj is concerned or the pilgrimage is concerned, I mentioned this in the beginning of the show as well that there are specific times there are specific dates of uh, the muslim in, in the muslim calendar where this pilgrimage is 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 carried out is performed um, and that is in the month of dhul hijjah um, as i said there is a lesser a smaller version of of that as well which is called umrah which may be um, performed individually <clears throat> excuse me at any time During the year, as far as the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah uh, upon him, is concerned, he performed the Umrah four times and Hajj only once. Once. that that's interesting, isn't it?
0: It is interesting, but it's it's also it's a must to say that it isn't either or. Hmm. Umrah is a uh, is 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 is, uh, discretionary; it's up to you. Voluntary, it's voluntary. Whether you want to do it or not, but that in no way. Um, um, substitutes uh, substitutes yeah, yeah. the the um, the fulfilment of the command of doing yeah. the actual pilgrimage itself, which is over days. Yeah. It is not uh, you know an umrah can be done a number of times. Um, you know it's 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 a much shorter version yeah. um, of uh, of uh, uh, you know if you want to call it the hajj, but it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's an exercise on its own.
1: It's yeah. an event on its own. And as everything uh, within the religion of Islam, we are told by God Almighty about the reasons and about uh, why and and, and that we are supposed to do certain things. For example, in chapter 3, verse 98, he talks about the Hajj, about the pilgrimage. When God Almighty states that in it are manifest signs, it is the place of Abraham, and whoso enters it enters peace. And pilgrimage to the house is a duty which men, those who can find a way thither, thither, owe to Allah. And whoever disbelieves, let him remember that Allah is surely independent of all creatures. So, let's talk about the elements of Hajj. We're also going to talk to um, someone who has performed this uh, religious duty, this religious obligation, who's been to the house of um, God Almighty in Mecca, who has performed all of the steps that we're going to very briefly Talk about <clears throat> in just a bit, but if you have any experience with that, if you've been to Mecca, if you've been on a Hajj, um, or if you have any questions about it, then by all means, do give us a call: zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. The point that you mentioned that we all look the same. What do you if, mean by that? Um, <laughs> if I'm going,
0: if if you know, it, the point of of looking the same meaning is. Uh, um we are all there for one purpose mm-hmm. uh, unity of god almighty we are there as people um as as uh, as one yeah equality yeah um, um we are not going to we, we representing ourselves you you use the word brotherhood sisterhood um we are meant to look the same cuz when we pray to god almighty i mean let's look at when we do congregational prayers we are shoulder to shoulder and we don't know who the person next to us is. We don't know what status, what social, um, economic status they might have. Um, we don't know whether they're a do-gooder or a sinner. We yeah. don't know. We don't know anything about them. And what we do in this um, uh, um, at this event at the pilgrimage is, we are there to 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 go and uh, and as individuals, um, we go there to kind of I don't know. What's the what's the way to say? It? Cleanse our sins. Yeah. We are there to um, to go and and uh, um, and to not just to perform. You see, it's it's this is. I don't want to just say this is a commandment of God, and we're just going there as an exercise because no. that exercise would be
1: uh, would be null and void. I think that be, because it's once a lifetime,
0: exactly. And 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 you know, that, it's uh, that's a,
1: significant. It's a huge huge the, th- step. Yeah, it is, but
0: you know, the, the reason I say that is. And I'm sure you will correct me uh, because I'm just going to paraphrase that, um, you know, when when your your elders tell you stories and they tell you of events. Yeah. And, and I remember, um, again, it was it was an imam who who, who was mentioning this um, nearer to the Eid, the, 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 the Eid al-Azhar, hmm. where they talked about how so many people went to pilgrimage and. This one person had saved money to go to pilgrimage, and then he found out he had been before, but he, he could afford it. But he found out that somebody else who had his neighbor, his neighbor um, and he gave up his ticket, his his uh, uh, ability to go, and he allowed his neighbor to go. And then somebody said, that, and then we were told that after uh, the pilgrimage was over, there was only one person's uh, yeah. um, pilgrimage that was accepted, accepted. by God Almighty. And that was a person who didn't even go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to me, I, I don't want, I, I want to kind of, I don't know how, I'm sure you will help me here, to to really describe the spiritual significance, and that's the key. Yeah. It isn't a physical exercise. No. It isn't just going there. There is a mindset that you need to have. That you need. To, this is the point where, when you self-reflect, you tell yourself the truth because the one you're presenting yourself in front of, yeah. he already knows it before you exactly. do. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, I don't know how to put that into words.
1: I, I think it's because if you look at the 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 act itself, what you do there, how you do it, yeah, it starts with. Um, the way that I mean, I was just looking at some of the pictures. Um, if you type in Hajj on Google or if you type in um Gaba on Google, you will see the the you know the the forecourt of the mosque. What you will notice it, uh, is that you will see 99% of the people dressed in a certain color, yep, white, white, yep. So that's that's the majority of the color that you will see. It's all going around and there's perfect circles around the, the, the Kaaba and they're all walking in unison. That is where it starts. When you when you talk about I, I always compare it with with, with the prayer itself. Hmm. I mean if you have different postures, the philosophy behind it is that different postures and saying certain things in these different postures it 's not just a physical exercise no, right the the, the the philosophy behind prayer is that you yes, you are doing it physically, but that's just the shell of it yeah what matters is is the essence, the content of your prayer, so if you are performing it let's say you're standing um that has a different impact on on our psychology. if you are bowing down, that has a different. Uh, impact on 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 our you know inner spiritual feeling if you are prostrating if you have your forehead on the ground that has a completely different impact on on your soul on your body on your thinking on your mentality on your spirituality the same thing is with 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 the with the with the pilgrimage throughout these days that you are performing the pilgrimage your only purpose your only goal is through prayers through contemplation, through reflection, through everything that you do is the focus on God Almighty. Mm. So you're forsaking the world. I mean, look, if you are doing this once in your lifetime, God has given you a whole life that you are going to do this once. Mm. Everything else, yes, on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. But one thing that you do, and that's just for me, you're doing this for me, you're coming to visit me in my house. Mm. And if you don't leave the world behind, then what's the point? When we go and when we start prayer, when you say Allahu Akbar, and you fold your hands, God is great. God is great, and you're standing in prayer. the The Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he was asked about how how like what's how do you imagine that? Mm. And he tried to explain it in the way that when you stand in front of God Almighty, when you stand in prayer, imagine that you are in front of God, you, you, that you can see God Almighty. Mm. Difficult to do, but if you cannot do that, most people cannot then imagine that God is seeing you. That means that you have entered his court. You have forsaken the world. The world is, is, is something which doesn't exist. And as soon as you turn your face to the right and to the left at the end of the prayer, that's when you come back to the world. Hmm. Now you're going to the house of God Almighty. You're going to, to, to God himself, basically, in his court, in his house, which, as we said, you know, was built for, for, for the worship of, of, of the one God and his worship alone then if you don't forget everything forget for forget the world see, forget your phones also, forget your problems and, and, well, and everything well the
0: thing is you see yes i agree forget but don't but don't but, but remember what you have done <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you walked in yeah yeah, yeah that, that, you, you forget you forget that world in completeness outside yeah. but you don't forget your actions you don't forget your intentions and you don't forget what you have done up
1: to and until that moment, you have entered the house <coughs> of God Almighty. All right, we just carried on and on and on. Completely forgot that we have our guest with us on the line. We are joined by Mr. Shahid Khan. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Draft Time Show.
3: Alaikum
1: as salam wa first of all, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, we are talking about the pilgrimage, the Hajj. I mentioned that we're going to be joined by someone who performed um, the hajj. Um, in In uh, it's been it's been a while, but <laughs> I think the the the, the steps and 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 the procedure of the hajj has not changed at all. So I want to ask you, Mr. Khan, you went there in 1972. What was it like the very first time when you saw the Kaaba and and and, and and again, you you went back there, not on a hajj, but you know performed Umrah a, a, as well. does that does that first reaction ever change when when you go back? Does that lose maybe you know the the significance of the value?
3: Uh, uh, thank you for having me first of all. this talk earlier, what I've been hearing of it has really brought back memories, you know mm. and mine, as I said, or you mentioned the fact that it was done fifty years ago, hajj first time. Uh, by I guess well I have been to Umrah since a few, in fact, not long ago, this year, in fact, just before uh, Ramadan. All right. Uh, but the feeling you mentioned at the beginning, uh, I think the first time that you see the Holy Kaaba is only a simple building, a simple uh, block building, yeah. covered, obviously, by very uh, Quranic verses and so forth. The first time that you see it, you seem as if you're seeing a dream. Mm. and that has never really faded for me. In fact, as I mentioned to people that 50 years ago I did this, I was a young man then, obviously. Uh, but here again, when, when you enter the Holy Kaaba, the Haram, uh, that feeling and that first feeling of it, it never fades. And by the grace of Allah, and this was the case again this year
4: hmm. when I went.
1: Now, we wanted to, by, uh, by this time, we, we, we wanted to go through the steps, but, I mean, it's a, it is a Friday <laughs> afternoon, so... Um, <laughs> I want to ask you this: How are the rituals of Hajj and you know the the other version, the smaller version of Umrah? How are they different?
3: They're vastly different. But the fact, like like a guest has already mentioned, the fact that Hajj is the ultimate uh, to be performed once in your lifetime, and that's obviously a pillar of Islam. Uh, whereas Umrah is a lesser Hajj, and two, the major difference is obviously is vast in the sense that. Umrah can be performed in a time of, I think over three hours is sufficient to perform Mm -hmm. Umrah. Whereas Hajj, we're talking about uh, from the 8th till the 12th of Zil Hajj. Uh, So that's five days in all, and over that period, uh, it's a lot more strenuous in terms of uh, spiritual experience, as well as obviously with the different uh, rituals that had to be performed for Hajj. Whereas Umrah is more or less uh, the Tawaf, which is going around the Kaaba anti-clockwise, and then going to Sapa Marwa, and, uh, in fact, uh, that is the, the crux of it. Hmm. Whereas Hajj, there's a lot more and a lot of steps involved as far as going out of, uh, having done the Tawaf, the initial Tawaf, then you go out to Mina and so forth and having stayed there and then least, uh, staying there in, in the tentative villages in, in, in Mina and then going to Musdalipha, staying overnight and and then taking, picking up the pebbles and then just uh, doing it in a short form in, in course in due to shortage of time. Uh, but in all, the spiritual experience is very much there, and then the Tawaf at the end, which is and mm. also sofa, uh, say which is going from Safa and Marwa. So not in that particular uh, order, but sure. in any way, that just shows ex- exactly as to the physical capability one has to have to yeah. be able to do all that. Uh, so sorry, it's vastly different. But the other thing is obviously the timing of it. Umrah can be performed at any time. I think the uh, um, Saudi Arabian authorities and do uh, have a uh, blockage time and you can't perform it. Other than that, can be performed at any time yeah. of the year. Whereas Hajj is the 12th month of, the, uh, of our holy month uh, and is the last month of the Islamic calendar and only from the 8th or 12th of uh, Hajj can you perform actual Hajj itself.
1: Yeah. Now, during all of this uh, Mr. Khan, when you went and also for Umbra, what 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 goes on in your mind? I mean, um, when when you go, of course, you leave your your daily lives behind. But I mean, as as it is the case with us, even if you go on holiday, you're still thinking about the bills to pay. You're still thinking about the stress of work and and whatnot. Um, how difficult or how easy is it to to switch all of that off? Because just before we took you on, we we, we spoke, and Brother Kyum was talking about the the spiritual significance of it, not just the the, the physical act of of Indeed. doing Absolutely doing these right. well,
0: well, the physical, the spiritual is the the whole point is to go there to kind of spiritually cleanse yeah, yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: Absolutely, I mean, it's intertwined. I mean, you 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 had had the nail well, of the head with the fact that you can't separate the two between the physical as well as the spiritual side, which obviously both are in, intertwined. But the fact that uh, giving living aside the world. I think that when you're donning the ihram, I think that is the time that you are supposed to be, in fact, turning your face towards Allah and Me altogether. Like you mentioned, one has to block off, like in prayers. I'm sure that when we do salat, hmm. we have to, when the first salat is, uh, Allah first Takbir is said, one has to turn towards And even then, obviously there, there is that concept of thinking of other things as well, but one has to block those off. And this is the time when one feels that when you have people around you in the same sort of mode as well, that helps you a lot. And that Aram, the donning of the Aram, when you put on the Hiram and then the actual niyat uh, 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 is actually, that is the time when you try to do that and, and cut yourself from the world. And this, in fact, over the course of days in Hajj, I found that this to be the case when people around you. And when you're performing, uh, saying the Talbiya, which is the, the meaning of which is quite significant, says, here I am, O oh Allah, here I am, Here I am, thou has no part associate, thou has no associate, here I am. All praise and bounty are thine, and thine the kingdom, thou has no associate. That has a bearing on your inner feeling as well, and that comes out initially as well. Hmm. And that's something that one has to live with, and to do that, I think you're absolutely right. That the experience of, same as Salat, one has to be cut off from the world.
0: Uh, Mr. Khan, you mentioned something, it's so important. You you talked about distractions when, when you're kind of building your mindset, and then mm. when, when, you know, when we do everyday prayers and His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad may Allah strengthen his hand. And so many, uh, he gets asked by so many youngsters who say that, uh, you know, His Holiness, that we, we find it distracting. And he's mm. always telling you, look, um, um, think of, of, uh, of uh, um, you know, say a prayer mm. or, or, or kind of try your best. I, my question is, not everyday Salat, but when you were actually performing Hajj, isn't the aura of the place so um,
3: overwhelming? It, 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 it's, so, it's so
0: overwhelming that you don't have chance to. You don't have that. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's a question I'm asking because I, I haven't done it yet. Yeah, but yeah. that that you don't get distracted. You you're so you're so engulfed into that moment.
3: You're absolutely right. I mean, this is far in excess. I mean, I, I'm sure that a lot of us have been to Kardian for that matter, or Robbo, yes. for that matter and the whole situation i found that this is a bit more than a hundred times more perhaps in uh, when you're in the haram. that surroundings of it also binds you towards the fact that like uh, you said previously that when you're offering prayer that you're seeing as if you are standing in front of Alamiya and the same if you're know, not able to do that he's watching you hmm. so this is a situation like that and this is in fact the inner feeling that one has to inculcate as well even if one is not in a mode that one has to do but uh, you're absolutely right, the fact that the Holy Prophet, we are also in the surroundings of the birth of the Holy Prophet. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah,
2: on top of with, that, yeah.
3: Yeah, all the times have changed, and we find, see these glitzy buildings and so forth, and the uh, fast food shops and things like that. Obviously distract you, no doubt, when you're outside the harem. But one has to think in terms of that, and that experience, one has to be inbuilt as well, in fact. One has to build towards that. When you're going, it's not just like any other experience or holiday that one is going mm-hmm. to. And you mentioned the fact it's just going through physical, physical uh, uh, ritual. It's not that. It's a bit more, a lot, bit more, lot more than the spiritual side of it is has to be thought of at that time. <laughs>
1: uh on a on a personal i want to ask you because again 50 years a lot has changed you mentioned all of these shops and these buildings and these high rise buildings that have just you know um appeared out of nowhere uh, one might think how how was it 50 years ago i mean how many people right now 2016 well, you mentioned was like 1.8 million people how how was it at that time and and what was well,
3: that like? let me put it let me put it into context when we went in this event, when I went into Hajj in 1972, we in fact my, I had two of my bro- three of my brothers with me at the time, and we did not even have a hotel that we had booked into. Wow. Our mother was actually staying in a boarding uh, called a dormitory, in fact, and all little luggage we had was <coughs> left with them. And most of our well, all of our time, apart from something, we were with her in, in her uh, dormitory, yeah. was spent in the Haram in in terms of uh, when we were in Makkah. So other than that, when we're outside, obviously uh, there was tenting cities in Minah and Musdalifah and so forth outside in the open. So as far as that is concerned, there's a vast, it's a vast, vast difference in terms of the buildings and so forth yeah. that have strung up, up since. And uh, but uh, one has to go with uh, times have changed, and sure. obviously there's a lot more. There are a lot more uh, facilities available, which perhaps were not there at the time. Uh, and like was mentioned earlier that at times in the past, we used to hear of our fathers and forefathers when they went. uh, Some of them did not return, and Mm -hmm. this was the case a long time ago. But nowadays, the facilities are much, much better. I mean, it's not that one says there are no difficulties. Obviously, Hajj is a very, very big uh, event, and it has its difficulties uh, attached to that.
1: Wonderful, Mr. Khan. lastly, from my side, I want to ask you, um, if somebody is thinking of going to Hajj, what would you advise? What would you say to someone like that?
3: I think One thing is for sure, well, I did Hajj first time when I was 20, let's put it that way, but one should not leave it too late in the sense that one, everybody thinks that, oh, we should not perform Hajj and we should only perform it at a later stage in their lives. It becomes much more difficult in terms of when there are facilities available of these chairs and so forth and all the rest of it, but it's not the same, and I think people do find out that uh, uh, the more physically fit they are, they're able to perform these uh, rituals and uh, the experience of hajj is much more beneficial, I would say, and also something that they would uh, cherish much more later in life. So I think one big thing is don't leave it too late. And then also uh, plan ahead because nowadays, obviously, COVID has taken toll on us on us all. Uh, but nevertheless, facilities are available. It's a lot more expensive. I'm not, sure, I'm not saying it's a cheap event now. Uh, but also in terms of uh, look up beforehand, something that I didn't know, there weren't facilities at the time. I must mention that the book of the uh, that actually made me do Hajj was, uh, sorry, the book, pilgrimage to the house of Allah. Mm. And if they has read this book, I'd be surprised if they don't go to perform Hajj.
1: Wonderful. Mr. Shah Khan, thank you very much for for sharing uh, your uh, experience with us. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Jazakallah assalamualaikum.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: You
0: know, um, it, it just it just a thought come to mind when you were talking. Uh, it's when you're doing salat. It's you, you, and uh, Mr. Khan said it as well, and you mentioned it earlier that you know you 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 think you create or you get your mind to think that. You're seeing God. Hmm. Well, that's just a Salah. But when you go to Hajj, you're like, you're in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, uh, you're like, you know, I'm in my house and I'm doing Salah. Yeah. But when I'm at Hajj, it's that like, yeah. well, no, you don't need to, you don't need to picture. No, it's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but that's so significant, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. That, that, you know, doing something and imagining something or to put or, or getting your mind mm. to be in that mindset that you have to create that mindset. Mm. Whereas I am sure, and I, I, don't, I don't know, but from from what Mr. Khan was saying and, and, and listening to my parents when they did Hajj, it's like, you're in my house, mate. Mm. <laughs> it's this is it. Yeah. Your existence. That you have lived, and praising me, and you're in my house, yeah, and and so you can't. And you know, there's one thing also I wanted to kind of, and I'm sure, and I'm sure you will clarify this. A lot of people kind of talk about prayers akin to meditation. Hmm. Two different things. Yes. Um, a lot of people kind of say, "Oh, yeah, you know, you, we meditate." Meditate is a state of mind where you think your mind and your your body mm. is uh, is in sync. Prayers is when your mind, body, and your soul yes. is in sync with
1: with another entity. That's right. Yeah.
0: So you know, and and a lot of people think that this is a place of meditation. You go there. No. You, <laughs> you 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 go
1: there to to kind of find that balance.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It
1: ain't well. You can It's can't, beyond that. You can beyond. Yeah, that. It's, it, it is beyond that. I mean, uh, balance. Just to find the balance is probably it's it's a very light thing to to have. Yeah, it's, it's not that's. But to find peace, to find con, con, con to be content, and to to achieve the goal of, of, of living of life I mean purpose. that's the pur- exactly the, to fulfill the purpose of life that is I think the ultimate goal and, and what you are supposed to find there um, when you read the verses of the Holy Quran that, that I have not cre- the only reason that I have created you is so that you may worship me and as you said... But but that doesn't mean you don't live. No, no, no. You of see, the, not, again, of I, 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 no, no. the reason I keep putting
0: in these little bits is because a lot of people think, well, you know, you, you only live for God. Well, yeah, God... Well, well, what's wrong with that? Exactly. But, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm going to be consistently praying 24 hours, 24... No. Prayer is in
1: every single act we do. Yeah. Um. You know... So, I mean, the, the comparison that you made, meditation and mm-hmm. uh, and prayer... Yes, we do live for God. Yes. Because call it what you want, We, I know that there's going to be a reward. Yes. I know, I know that, that there's something I'm working for. Yes. And which is not limited to this world. That's right. It is this world and the next. I mean, it's it's a combination of both. If I am finding that balance, that peace of mind is is good and fine. But I know there's something still to come. And uh, the fact that I believe that also
0: gives me that encouragement to be good in this world because I know there is a thereafter. Yeah. And the fact that I know that there's a thereafter it makes me better here. Yeah. If I didn't
1: think, then I would be questioning, well, what's my purpose here? Exactly. And, and yeah, we, we know what's the purpose. All right, let's... And this trip Are we gonna... confirms yeah. that purpose. That That it is. <laughs> so let's uh, I think we, we should we should run through the steps what you do you go. think go for, yeah? go for it go for it alright we're going to start off first of all the pilgrim or the the person performing the pilgrimage the first thing that you do is to get yourself into that mind that state of yes this is the beginning of it this is where it starts you need to change your outfit so everyone who goes to the pilgrimage Enters into the state of Ihram by wearing only two seamless white sheets. And this is done by the pilgrims when they reach a certain designated place close to Mecca. So, depending on which direction you're coming from, they have these designated places that at that time you change into these two seemingly seamless white sheets, um, and then you will have these millions of people looking exactly the same, um, uh, you know, like their brothers and sisters from around the world. Then secondly the pilgrim says the talbiyah Mr. Shahid Khan he referred to that it's basically an arabic prayer um it's which is a beautiful
0: prayer uh, yeah. the way the the, the way especially <coughs> you hear it reciting yeah yeah it's powerful
1: and that starts at the place where this ihram these these white sheets are put on and the, he mentioned the 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 english translation but i think for the benefit of our listeners we can also mention that the arabic uh, part is la-bayk, Allahuma la la la-sharika la-bayk, meaning that here I am, Allah, here I am, here I am, there's no associate with thee, here I am. Inna inna mata laka wal mulk laka la-sharika laka, meaning that all praise and all bounty, they're yours, yours is the kingdom, there's no associate with thee. Um... And then you enter Mecca, you perform the first tawaf. Tawaf means the circle, you go around, which consists of going around the Kaaba seven times in anti-clockwise direction, and after the completing of the first, this 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 going around anti-clockwise, you then perform the Sa'i, which is cons- consisting of running between the two little hills of Safa and Marwa, located near the Kaaba. That again goes back to the wife of Hazrat Ibrahim, uh, who, in search of water, were running between these two hills. Nowadays, they're not hills anymore, basically, they're underground tunnels. Uh, again, AC and everything made, uh, uh, installed for the ease of the pilgrimers. Um, regarding this step of the pilgrimage, the uh, Holy Quran states that surely al-Safa and al-Marwa are among the signs of Allah. It is therefore no sin for him who is on pilgrimage to the house or performs Umrah to go around the two, and whoso does good beyond what is obligatory, surely then Allah is appreciating, all knowing. After that, you go to the um, uh, you go to Mina, which is a plain located about four miles east of Mecca, and you spend the night there. Next day, before continuing with the further steps of the pilgrimage, which is to be performed in about 10 days, we want to have a close look at the history and background of the Islamic acts of worship. Very, very briefly, imagine, we already said that, actually, to, to, to stand in front of God Almighty, to cut off from the world, and to make sure that you perform every act just and just and solely for the pleasure of God Almighty. So next day after the uh, plain of Mina, you leave for the valley of Arafat, which is located nine miles southeast of Mecca. You arrive there in the early afternoon, say the combined prayers, Zuhr and Asr, which is the afternoon prayers, and listen to a sermon, a sermon given by the imam. And then you stay in the plane of Arafat only till sunset. This is the same plane where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, delivered his farewell sermon at the only hajj that he performed. There's a few more steps that we want to go through quickly after we have listened to the news. And then, unfortunately, we're going to have to move on to the second topic. Look at this. Friday never disappoints. Never. You're listening to The draft Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. We're talking about the Islamic pilgrimage, the, uh, uh, the Hajj to the House of Mecca, and the few steps that we have left we're going to go through after the news uh, coming up now. Stay with us.
0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording. And lines are now closed.
1: La 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 Sharika Laka La inna wa Sharika These are the words that you will hear constantly throughout the uh, performing of the Hajj, the pilgrimage, that here I am, O Allah, here I am, here I am, you have no partner, here I am. Verily all praise and blessings are yours, and all sovereignty you have no partner. And it's not just the, the words that you repeat, but you, again, what we said, that this is your house, here I am. You're in my court, you're in my house. To envision yourself that you are literally in standing in front of God Almighty. This is the place where the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, upon was born. This is the place where the last... Book the last divine guidance for mankind was revealed. this is where his prophet his most beloved walked on a daily basis and this is the first house built for the pilgrim for 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 the worship of God almighty. Now we went through the steps very quickly there's a few more that we want to go through after the sermon after the 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 night that you or the day that you spend in the plain of Arafat after sunset the pilgrims they leave uh, Arafat and they come to a place called Muzdalifah now in the holy Quran this place is referred to uh, as well uh, the, which is the sacred monument and uh, on reaching Muzdalifah the, p- the pilgrims they or the pilgrims say their combined Maghrib and Isha prayers and spend the night there now in the morning after saying the fajr prayer the early morning prayer the pilgrims then return to Mina once again and they reach Minna on the tenth day of the Hijjah. So we have ten days where this is ongoing, and which is the busiest day of all of the ten days. The first ceremony that is performed at Mina is the throwing of small stones. Um, uh, you know, it's it's symbolically basic. You're stoning the 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 the, 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 the devil or Satan. Um, and then you move on. After the tenth day of Hijjah is also the day when pilgrims uh, they sacrifice their animal, and then you have the day uh, celebrating um, all over the Muslim world as the festive day of Eid al Adha. And after performing the sacrifice, they have then to shave their heads. Again, you don't have to go full on, you know, with a razor blade, but you know, have your hair clipped, uh, shave them. A little bit, uh, just to to, to to make sure that you perform this part of the set of the of the of the pilgrimage as well. And after this, you emerge from the state of ihram, meaning the 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 white two sheets that you put on on the first day. You can take those off and then go back to your everyday clothes.
0: In today's show, we have talked about the pilgrimage, um, and just to conclude, it's every every Muslim. Every believing Muslim's desire to fulfill this commandment in their lifetime and to see the holy places where the roots of Islam and where the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has spent his life. Finally, the pilgrimage is a way of purifying ourselves and reconnecting with Allah through prayers and worship. May Allah enable everyone Mm. to be able to fulfill this commandment um, in their lifetime. Um, I think uh, that's, that's all we can really say about sure, yeah. this, this, this pillar of Islam we're going to take a very quick break, when we come back we're going to go on to destiny, divine decree of the free will, we're going to be right back after some very brief messages
2: Allah, Allah.
0: You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet
5: 24 hours a day. It is imperative that nations and their leaders do not focus only on their own national interests but consider what is best for the world at large. Dialogue with other nations and communities is vital and each party should work together with the spirit of tolerance and with the shared objective of developing true and sustainable peace in the world. Allah,
2: Allah.
0: Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
1: Asalaamu Alaikum. May the peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon you all. Thank you very much for staying with us and welcome back to the Drive Time Show. In this part of the program, we are going to talk about the belief in divine decree or Allah's God's will. It's a very interesting topic because people have different takes on it. The Muslim believe that the divine decree controls the outcome of all actions in this universe, which also explains that as a universal law of God Almighty. Uh, It's working through the whole of creation, extending throughout the universe. In chapter 13, verse 40, God Almighty states, Allah effaces what he wills and established what he wills. And with him is the source of all commandments. So God alone knows the root cause of all commandments or the wisdom underlying them. And those commandments are based on divine attributes. So the source of the law lies only with God. The Holy Quran further
0: states uh, every decree of God shall certainly come to pass chapter 54 verse 4 in this verse God Almighty lets us know about the certainty of his decree or his will and the concept of destiny being predetermined by God Almighty has been subject to endless philosophical and religious debate over the centuries and this concept is not only found in Islamic religion but is also found in other beliefs and some <clears throat> and there is some sort of reference to destiny. I mean, we, we were talking earlier um, from div- from from different faiths and um, Confucius, Prophet Confucius. Um, you know, so many people quote um, when 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 people talk of destiny. Um, I have in, in the world we live in, and and when I even amongst friends of mine, um, they they quote Prophet Confucius so much. Um, hmm. On on uh, on this particular topic, yeah. um, Prophet Krishna, yeah. um, and you know I, it 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 just takes me back to
1: Buddha, um, exactly, Buddha,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, you know this takes me back to Review of Religion. And I remember the old uh, the publication of Review of Religions. The last page of Review always used to be. These quotes Quote, yeah. from all these different prophets, including Prophet Buddha, Prophet Krishna, Prophet, uh, Prophet Confucius, and uh, Prophet Abraham, Prophet Muhammad may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and you know it. It, it you know it, it just kind of triggered that memory for yeah. me.
1: Now, one commonly spread belief is that everything big or small is predetermined by God, and that man has no influence or control over anything. It is a quite popular belief with some cryptic sects of Sufism. And they believe that everything humans do is controlled by a grand plan which only God is aware of. You might have heard this expression as well. Oh, That's God's plan, God's plan, God's plan. This is what God has intended. It's all already written down. Another contrary belief is that of free will or choice. That destiny does not play a role in our life at all. Nothing is determined. We decide everything for ourselves. We decide which path we take. We decide where we end up at the end of the day. However, one can easily figure out that these views are rather problematic, especially when it comes to being rewarded or being punished for one's deeds by God Almighty. In chapter 28, 28, verse 85, we find that he who does a good deed shall have better reward than that. And as for him who does an evil deed those who do evil deeds shall not be rewarded but according to what they did. According to which, a human is responsible, we are responsible for our deeds and will eventually be rewarded or punished depending on what we do. In the Islamic teachings, we do not find evidence which may indicate that each person's life is preordained or that he has no option in choosing between right and wrong or good and bad. You go back all the way but you see, everything. I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm thinking people believe this. But, yeah, but
0: then if, yeah. if I don't have the option of choosing what I do, then why am I here? <laughs> how, <laughs> why, how am I Why here? have I been talking about the first hour about... <laughs> Going in front of God yeah. and facing what I have you done. You see, I have a choice. The I can I talk about made.
1: the topic, or like we do every Friday, we, we go talk off about, on tangents. Yeah, we go off. I was about to the. say, you know, we <laughs> haven't gone off on a tangent this week, yet. <laughs> so we do have a choice. Yes. And I think to understand this, um, uh, we're going to talk to Imam Sabah in just in just a minute as well. I'm I'm sure he can he can explain this way better than yes. us together combined. A doubt. Um, but. To, to, we we are not saying that uh religion i'm, I'm taking religion for now okay specifically with the religion of islam but religion in general hmm. that religion um stands for or 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 um says that you don't have free will god is there yeah but with god that like, you don't have free will it's all decided already no but you then, don't have a choice but well, you can't add but then, but then I would
0: question that and I would mm. say that's what Islam that's not what Islam says no and so so religion so what you're saying is religion except Islam but then I don't look at Islam as religion Islam is a way of life yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see because <laughs> a religion is part of your yeah. way of life yeah
2: yeah, yeah
0: yeah, but Islam is all about well it's, it's clear chapter what chapter 2 verse 257 there shall be no compulsion in matters of faith yeah now that is God Almighty saying it. Well, if God Almighty is saying that, and then somebody else is saying, well, it's preordained, Yeah. well, God wouldn't be God if he's contradicting himself, is it?
2: Yeah. And God, then he also
0: said,
1: for you, your religion, for me,
0: my religion. Yeah, exactly. You choose, it's so, up to you. you know, and people forget that. Hmm. A lot of people quote God yeah. on things God has never spoken about. No, no. <laughs> because the easy solution is Oh, God, what did you say? Um, what do people say? Uh, God, uh, um, this is what God wanted. I yeah. leave it in the hands God, of God. Yeah, yeah,
1: God's plan. God's plan.
0: That's <laughs> it. That's it. And, and, but rationally speaking, we know that you can't have two gods. No. Because then God can only be one. So having two meaning that, that that's a contradiction of, course. of the term. It's actually... Uh, it uh, It's against the definition of the term God because yeah. there can only be one God. Yeah. Yeah. So if that is the case and if God and people say, well, uh, people kind of say God has changed things.
2: Hmm.
0: Well, if God changed things, that means in order for him to change things, he must have made a mistake. Well, if God made a mistake, then he can't be God because God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so, I mean, so so in this case, this this notion of free will and this notion of preordained or, or God's plan, well, if God's plan was for everyone to do what He wanted them to do, then He wouldn't have given us brains. Hmm. He wouldn't have given us
1: the the choice, the the ability to make a choice. Yeah. Yes and if you look at verses of the Holy Quran if you look at go, go back to the story of Prophet Adam yep. peace upon him and then you also read the narrations of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah where he says when he talks about reward when he talks about punishment for example there's one narration and I'm cutting this very very short where the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah has said that if you intend to do something bad hmm. and you don't end up doing it is that how how do you get rewarded for that? Because if you, you, didn't, you didn't carry you out you didn't thought. carry it out. Mm. So that's like a plus in your in your book. Yep. If you intend to do something good and you end up doing it, that's two pluses in in, in your book. Yep. So you ha- he's given you different scenarios, different versions, different options, basically. Mm. If we did not have any option, then that would not make any sense. So I I only have one choice. I only have one option. Why Why is he giving me five? Why is he giving me four?
0: You see, I also look at it from a different point of view. If God had preordained everything, mm. why do we talk about Satan? True that. What's the purpose of it? Yeah. R- rationality yeah. would say God, people who say God's plan, what God's plan was to create this Satan mm-hmm. to, so so how does that fit into that plan?
1: <laughs> exactly it, it it
0: doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you see i mean look we we always or talk about uh,
2: religious texts yeah yeah
0: but the beauty of islam Ahmadiyya, and 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 the teachings that we have from the promised messiah and the docu- the, the commentary of the holy quran by yeah. the second caliph um uh, you know if you read that it, it's like everything that God has said has rationality behind it. Yes. If it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit into the world till end of time, yeah. it ain't meant to be. No. His his laws that he has created. Yes. Yeah. So that's the only definitive that whatever God has said is rational.
1: Yeah. Not preordained, not preplanned. And, and, and let me tell you this as well. If... Everything was pre-planned. Yeah. If everything was already decided, hmm. why give us life? Exactly. Why? Why? Why put us through these sixty, seventy years? Yeah. Or whatever time. Yeah. Wh- why not have more immortality? Why, why not just put us in heaven or hell in the fr- like, without giving us birth? That's it. Without living here, and I think the reason for that is it lies in our nature. Yes. We as humans, this creation of God Almighty we can go into two directions. So you can be a grateful servant of God Almighty, or you can be someone who questions everything and anything that is put in your way.
0: You, you know, I find interesting is when we talk about, you, you said, we do everything to serve God Almighty. Mm. People who don't like this notion of, "ah, oh, you serve God, mm. they never realize it. They serve someone. Yeah. They serve someone too. So, That's where the free will is. Mm, mm. You have a choice. You have a choice to serve who you want. Mm. But even with free will, it goes back to the conversation we had last Friday. Mm. Freedom. Freedom, yes. When you choose to exercise your free will and do certain things, that means there's got to firstly there's got to be a purpose behind it. Mm. If it doesn't have a purpose behind it, that means you're free. That's when it's like, well, what is it that you're doing it mm, for? Mm, mm. But whatever you do will have to have, there will be accountability and responsibility and consequences. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, that can only be exercised if you choose your free will. If God has ordained and pre-planned everything, mm. then.
1: We should all be, we should all be worshiping, we should all be worshiping God, <laughs> which we don't. So on that question, on that note, this is this is the question actually that was also asked to the fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, Hazrat Tahir Ahmad. May Allah have mercy on his soul. That why does God test us hmm. if He already knows what the outcome will be? It's a very very interesting question, and this is what His Holiness had to say. Listen to this.
2: My question is if Allah has already decided our fate, why should we try so hard to have a better life?
5: Do you know what Allah has decided about you? You don't know. What Allah, Allah says these are the good things, these are the bad things. If you do good, I will reward you. If you do bad, I will punish you. This is what the teaching that this is Allah who knows that that you will do good or bad, right? You don't know. If you don't know, then you should try hard to do good things so that you are rewarded. But it is not necessary that a person who is doing bad thing will definitely go to hell. I have explained on so many occasions that a person who killed 99 people, ultimately he realized his uh, wrongdoings then he went to see some saint he asked him is there any chance of my being uh, saved from the hell, hell or is there any chance for me to get the prayer of Allah Ta'ala? that saint says no no chance, no hope. He said, okay, I have already killed 99 people, okay, another person. He killed that saint as well, making 100. Then somebody told him, this is the Hadith, the Holy Prophet said. Then he went, Somebody, he met somebody, and that person told him that, yes, there is a person in far off place, so if you go to him, he can uh, tell you how to save yourself from the punishment of hell. Why, When he was going to that person, just on the way he died. When he died, the angel of paradise and hell came. The angel from the paradise was saying that since he was going to towards the place where he could be saved from the punishment of hell. So I, this is why I am going to take him to heaven. The, the angel of the hell said no. He had already committed so many sins. So there is no way for him to go to heaven. Ultimately, they decided that, okay, now we may the distance. If he is nearer to that place, where he was going, then the angel of the heaven will take him to the heaven. And if the distance is, he has not travelled the distance, far, much distance from the place he was, he started his journey, then he will be taken to hell. So, Allah Ta'ala planned in such a way, that the distance he was going towards uh, became nearer to that person's body. And and they decided that the person will be taken to heaven. So in this way, Allah Ta'ala, you see, Allah Ta'ala says, I'm, my mercy encompasses everything. Eh? So, Allah Ta'ala is all-merciful, ever-merciful. We don't know. You see, even this example shows that the person who has committed so many heinous sins, despite that, he was sent to heaven because of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. So how can we say that because we don't know our fate and Allah Ta'ala has decided, Allah Ta'ala knew that this person will commit so many sins and he will and he will murder so many people but ultimately if he repent tries to repent i will send him to the heaven to the paradise so our job is just to do good deeds we don't know our fate allah Dalla knows it and allah Dalla has told us that these are the good things, these are the bad things. If you do good things, I will definitely reward you. And if you are only absorbed in doing bad things, then you may go to hell. But if Allah mercy, if you have done something good at the end, Allah mercy can take you to heaven. Okay. So it is Allah's mercy. We cannot decide. If you are going to decide that, okay, our fate is already written, the world, but whenever whether we do good or bad, we Allah knows that we are going to hell. So then definitely you will go to hell if you are not expecting good thing from Allah Ta'ala. So if you seek Allah's mercy all the time, Allah Ta'ala will forgive you.
1: What a beautiful reply uh, Just a correction there This was not the fourth caliph of the Amnesty the community This was the, current, the fifth caliph to the prom, uh, promised Messiah The successor uh, to the promised Messiah The founder of the Muslim community On whom be peace You know even if,
0: if one was listened to, to his holiness I mean it's such a beautiful uh, example that he gave If again I, I maybe, maybe it's me Mm. Um, I can't get to grasp this notion that oh, it's God's plan, or oh, everything is preordained, mm. because then I'm, I am, me, you, we, we are just what, robots, pawns and puppets, puppets. So we, everything we're doing is not of our choice. I'm not saying here because I'm, because I, I'm because I want to say you're not saying it because you don't want to say there.
2: Mm.
0: How? Ha- how does that make sense? <clears throat> In that that it's being done by a plan which has been made by someone else. Hmm. To me it just I don't know. Um, you know, if if you think I am wrong, if you have an opinion on it, give us a call. 0208-687-7878. Or you can actually
1: take part in our Instagram story. What's the question, brother? So the question for today is about this this topic that we are talking about. What determines our destiny? Is it our free will or is it God who predetermines uh, our destiny?
0: Or you can comment on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam
1: UK or you can email us at voiceofislam.co.uk You know someone who explained this to me um, once and this is, this is this has been a very very long time so I might miss a few bits here and uh, there um, when you are standing on the side of the road hmm. you see someone crossing the road and to the left or to the right depending on where you're standing it doesn't matter, you see a bus approaching now you know This guy is going to get hit by the bus. Hmm. Your knowledge about this, does that change anything for the person crossing the road? It doesn't. No. It's your knowledge. You know, based on the decision that that person has made to cross the road at that time with the bus approaching that he's going to get hit. And I think, again, I'm cutting this long thing very short. I mean, this this was this was a very lengthy explanation that I was given, but that's basically how you can probably imagine God's knowledge, our choice, His impact, whatnot. Hmm. Now He has given you. Look, everybody knows that if you cross the road. Um, at a at a certain junction or if it's a dangerous or busy intersection, that the dangers are there of you getting hit. Mm. But then that's your choice if you cross that road over there or if you go to the traffic signal or to the traffic lights and then cross the road. Mm. The choice ultimately is ours. God's knowledge of what choice of what decision you will make at what point does not mean that he is basically... Taking away your free choice, taking away your 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 decision that you're making at that time.
0: So if it was preordained and if it was God's plan, so that person whose holiness referred to who killed 99 people who God knew, then God would have stopped him from killing those people. No? Mm-hmm. If if what was to go according to their notion, unless God wanted him to go and kill 99 people or 100 people. Yeah. But then... At that moment in time, that person had no notion of what God was or belief in God or even that he had been doing wrong in the sense of he was going to be going to hell for it yeah. until he was given that knowledge. I mean, the, um, the reason I say is because you say that, that, that the other person having the knowledge that when if this person crosses the road is going to be hit by a bus, his knowledge is no good to that person who's going to cross the road at the wrong place, is it? Yeah. He's going to get hit by the bus. So, you know, it is it is the individual who is making a decision based on their intelligence,
2: hmm.
0: which is what, whatever they do, they're going to be answerable to. It, you know, and and again. I sound as confused as, as me listening to myself here. Because that, that, cause cause this is this is a topic which is, you know, it's talked about. It's tricky, but you know, it's simple. Exactly. Because we, we as human beings, you know, we we turn simple things into complicated things. But yeah, God yeah. is actually simple. Based on this, it's, what it seems to me is if it's God's plan and it's preordained, the only benefit or the only people who tend to want to say that is, that they don't want to take responsibility for their actions because it's God's fault.
1: Yeah, it's easy to blame God. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's a very simple way out. Exactly. The founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the promised Messiah, has commented on divine decree in the following words. He says that divine decrees are of two types. One may be described as suspended and the other as absolute. The operation of a suspended decree may be averted by the grace of God Almighty through prayer and almsgiving. The operation of an absolute decree cannot be averted through prayer and almsgiving, though God Almighty bestows some other benefit in return for them. In some cases, God Almighty causes a delay in the operation of a decree. Here with us to talk a little bit more about this topic is uh, Imam Sabahat Ali. It's a pleasure, it's an honor, it's a Long privilege to, to have him back on here on The Drive Time Show. As-salamu and welcome to The Drive Time Show, Imam Sabahat.
4: Thank you very much, Assalamualaikum
0: warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa Peace be on you, brother. It's been a long time since we had you on uh, on, on the drive time. We need, we need to correct that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I have to say, au oh, oh, contraire, the honour is all mine. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Bro, uh, Imam Subahad, I mean, I was just talking to uh, Imam Raza about this. Please, uh, I, I humbly request, clarify the confusion I'm causing here. This This notion of... Of of God's is is everything preordained? Is everything preplanned, or do we have a
1: choice in 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 what we do? I think let's, let's, let's I think we will get to this, mm-hmm. but we're going to start off with where we started off with free will. Do we have a choice? Do we not have okay. a choice? Is this from a religious point of view? Before we get into you know the philosophical debate, is this concept? Of free will, something um, unique to Islam. Do we find because we start off with religion in general, isn't it?
0: Yeah, we do. But I, I always kind of I, I I sometimes feel that when we say religion, we we separate the world and the religion. Then because uh, to me, it's like I I want the listener to to know that the world and the religion are intertwined. They're not separate.
1: For now, let, let's, let's, skew, let's skew like. Okay
0: <laughs> let let let's go with let's go with your
1: way. <laughs> what was what, what do you say? Is the concept of free will of 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 us of all humans is that unique to Islam? How do we understand that?
4: Well, um, this is not an easy question, and I think it's it's really great that you guys are taking on such a an elephantine subject because it is something that really has spelled the. Uh, disaster not only for religious people but even you know atheistic philosophers and whatnot so it's something important and, and from an from a strictly you know scriptural perspective historically all major religions have um
0: oh, we lost uh oh, we lost connection how is this possible brother usud is is is, is Sorting it out as we speak, um, but uh, before we while we try and get Imam um, Imam Sabahat back, um, is 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 that I mean the question I ask Imam Raza, mm. um, we is is it important to to signify or to to kind of. Um, Look at things just from a religious basis, or you know, when I always talk about, well, it's got to be intertwined.
1: Well, well why not? Why not? Look, our our when you say intertwined, then mm. what what's wrong about it? Doesn't I mean I, I don't see um I mean we're not this is not not we're not debating here. But no, no. I, I don't like from I, my from asking my, here from my point of view. Mm. If you look at it through the lens of let's say Islam or religion. Mm. Well, religion was was given to mankind to explain life. I agree. I agree. It?
0: And 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 yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. My only, uh, the, the only my reservation I always have is that in today's day and age, when people separate or use the word religion, mm, mm. it suddenly it's a it's like um, it's a no go area. Mm. But let's go to let's go back to Imam Sabahat. We've we've managed to get him back.
1: Assalamualaikum.
4: I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry well I think that was an opportune swing of the pendulum because we're talking about whether things are to what extent things are predestined <laughs> uh, I guess that was a better response than I could have given um, yes the, both of these aspects uh, exist um, in parallel and they have to um, The the main kind of fossil here that I've found across, whether they're, they're Christian theologians or, you know, atheists, strictly atheistic philosophers, or even within the religion of Islam, or all major religions, you seem to kind of pivot around the same points, and that is, as I understand it, this, this false impression that there is some contradiction between the will of God um, and the will of human beings. Uh, not contradiction insofar as that human a human being may want to take his life in one direction while God almighty intends something else, but the idea that we are able to independently as an independent consciousness pursue a course of our own volition um as against you know God almighty actually has pre-planned everything he's decided everything or he knows everything therefore somehow his knowledge of what will happen in the future has direct implications on my actions which is another you know logical fallacy um, so they they both co- coexist and across all major religions of the world <coughs> that really is what religion has been all about the will of god and human beings and their their very our very human struggle to conform our will to the will of god which in itself demonstrates that we, yes we have a consciousness of our of our own
0: Mm. see this 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 idea of it's it's such a deep topic and 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 and, and imam subat is correct that it's 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 something that we're looking to tackle so my understanding is so we always talk about god being all-knowing so that free correct. will has been given to us by the one who's all-knowing is it not Yes, absolutely. And that's where kind of everything changes and gets confused because when people talk about, well, God has preordained it. Well, if God had preordained it, He wouldn't have given us free will. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. Or, or am I getting it wrong here?
4: No, I mean you're right. I think this is you know, Einstein once said that uh, it takes. Uh, he, oh, forgive the crudeness but just quoting Einstein, he said any idiot can take um, something simple and make it sound complicated <laughs> but it takes a true genius to take something complicated and make it sound simple <laughs> and we in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community are very fortunate to have who we believe to be the divine, divinely appointed worldwide heads of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community or what we call the callus and in 1919 the second uh, Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community delivered a one of his many magnum opus level speeches, and it was precisely on this and what he what he did in that speech, <coughs> and I've spoken to I really lost count the number of um, philosophy minded or atheistic uh, atheistically inclined individuals in light of that speech of his, which is published as called, called the e Ilahi. Uh, which is very difficult to translate into English, but it roughly translates to the idea of, of um, predestination in relation to God. And in it, he has explained, as you said, that this is an, a mammoth sized topic, and because people have not been able to make sense of it properly, it has had very dire implications on the faith uh, and the fates of entire nations. Mm. Uh, For example, you know, in in many of the subcontinent subcultures, it's very common to hear um, people say that, oh, you know what, something happened. Something, for example, an individual um, contracts some illness or let's say comes down with diabetes or something like that. That person saying, oh, well, you know, it was the will of God, what God intended. But actually now we have come to understand that there are things, not for every type of diabetes, type one type two but <coughs> certain types of diabetes we have actually great control over what we can do that's why doctors tell us that look you're on this course your 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 blood sugar levels are quite high and you're just on the border many of us have heard that in relation to some family member or another especially belong to the you know indian subcontinent it's so it's so common yeah so this is the example i would take that when it comes to free will The fact that there is judgment articulated in all of the major scriptures is a great proof for the fact that we must need half-free will, because without the idea of free will, there can be no judgment. Otherwise, God Almighty is just passing judgment on himself. So that would be an absurdly contradictory notion. The other thing that we know is that um, this concept, if we think that from a scientific perspective it's more understood, it's actually even less understood because Till date, there is not a single agreed-upon definition that enjoys the unanimity of even a majority, let alone unanimity, even a majority of scientists on what consciousness is. So Islam basically says that, look, God Almighty has intended for all of the laws of physics, for example. If I have an apple in my hand and I let go of that apple, then God has intended by virtue of the laws of gravity— the apple will fall. But whether I let go of that apple or not, that is in my court. Mm -hmm. If that hits my foot and it injures me, or if I lose the nutrients of that apple, or whatever it is, that's in my court. So when we wake up every morning, God Almighty knows that this is the, let's say, 16 million possibilities or eventualities that could possibly take, uh, take place within the sphere of my existence. Given where I am, where I'm geo located, where I'm, you know, what my physical capacities are everything. But that knowledge is in no way impressing itself upon me. Hmm. So we give the example of a truck driver. You see a truck going, and God forbid, you see that it's racing toward a cliff, and it keeps going, and you can see that if it goes at this trajectory, at this speed, unabated, the truck will go, and it will meet its fate. Now, the truck driver doesn't know that, and your or my knowing this from a distance in no way has implications on the truck driver's fate. Another example that, is, uh, that was given by the Fourth Caliph, which is one of my favorites, actually, of the Ahmadiyya <laughs> <the> Muslim community, Hadith Mizza Tahir and may Allah <laughs> have mercy on him. Excuse me. He says that, think about what you had for breakfast this morning. Now, the knowledge that you have right now Of what you had for breakfast this morning in the past that has no bearing at all on what you ended up having for breakfast in the past so why is it that when we look from the past into the future that we think that having knowledge of events will impact them so just having knowledge this is just a general point that Islam puts forth is that just having knowledge God's having knowledge of all the possibilities that my life could take does not actually have any implications on my free will. Then the next part of that is, okay, but you and I can't do anything about that truck. But Allah the Almighty is all-powerful. So surely he should do something about that person who's racing toward his end. So that is also presupposed by misunderstanding other attributes of God. And I'll close this question with this, because it's not true that god almighty does not intervene yes the decisions we make are our own but he is constantly guiding us that's why the word that's used comes from the word kadbera, which means that god ascertained he determined and instilled all of the qualities of every single particle of this universe what it's capable of whether a biological complex organism or you know um, anything simpler than that let's say a atomic particle he has determined and instilled each one of these particles and subatomic particles and beings with what they're capable of doing and he has pressed them into service but he has not left them completely suspend it. and that is why it's, it is such a, a uh, really a a stroke of genius of the holy quran that the holy quran's language does away with any allegations on this front and says that allah the almighty first determined the the limitations and capacities and every route that everything can take but after that instilled it with guidance so that each person if he's going off track or she's going off track in life or any particle is going off track there are any number of opposing forces to try to keep them and encourage them to stay in a lane that is optimal for that.
2: Wonderful.
0: So, that okay. So, the predetermination is not... So, God's predetermination would be the law of nature. W- would that be Part wrong? Of that, yes. Part of that, So. Part so, of
2: that.
0: And God has said that Within that law or within that part of, say, law of nature, using that as a segment, you have your free choice, your free will to do what you want within those parameters that he has set.
4: Yes, I I would just add a a, a footnote. I think that's very well said. Um, Just a footnote would be because, you know, some people consider a certain activity against the law of. Nature, but that doesn't mean that we can't actually exercise it. The idea of a law that God has set, the inviolable laws from God's perspective, intended from God, those are the ones that obviously the Creator has set, and so the creation cannot breach. Hmm. But within the sphere, within the sphere, just to clarify, because when we think of laws, you know, they change all the time, whether they're, they're sociological laws or even what we call scientific laws. Our understanding of the, that evolves. So.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Malam which, you know, everything that you've said, this, this, um, you know, believing in divine destiny and that concept of, of how we understand it, d- does that have an impact on 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 our life? Is that supposed to have an impact on our life? I mean, we are talking about the, the you know, the pillars of faith when we talk about pillars of faith and pillars of Islam. This is a very, you know, in, integral part of the Islamic religion. Does does that have an impact or is 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 supposed to have an impact on, 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 on a believing person's life the you know, day in, day out?
4: Jesus, I, I think um this is one of those questions that is so important because betwixt the the uh you know semantic skirmishes of, of predestination, free will and all of this, a lot of people might fall into this uh, into this illusion that uh this is just a philosophical exercise Mm. without any, um, you know, practical or practicable, I should say, consequence. And then the question is, why is it that it's one of the pillars of, of faith or articles of faith to believe in the decree of God? So interestingly, the answer to this, I'll start from Uh, One of the most prominent new atheists, if not in some ways the most famous, is Professor Richard Dawkins, who, because he has taken the idea of God Almighty, a conscious creator, out of the equation in his worldview. So he himself has articulated time and time again the consequence of that. He says that in the end, we are just buzzing around as atoms. And really, it doesn't matter whether we enact good or evil from the perspective of physics and whatnot. And he's even gone so far as to say that, for example, natural selection, which is known as the universally emergent ethic, in the crossover between um, you know, the studies of physics and genetics, or epigenetics and physics, basically they say that because Either everything is predetermined, it's just following a blind course, or nothing is. So, for that reason, there is no need for us to think about our actions. And actually, this has direct implications on our morality, because without the conviction that each and every one of my decisions and indecisions, my words and my occasion of silence, um, my interactions with Um, biological organisms, my fellow human beings, animals, and even things like water, that there is no consequence for that, then human beings very quickly land into the realm of anarchy. So to believe in the decree of God is fundamental to Islam because we believe that there is reward and punishment. And that's not just on the spiritual plane of on the Day of Judgment, there will be paradise and there will be um, a punishment for for the opposing group, but this is for all facets of our life. And to acknowledge that I have free will and to know that I will be accountable for my actions changes everything. And if a person comes to the conclusion that I don't have free will, then that person can go and commit genocide and say, look, I'm not responsible for this. Hmm. So there is a very critical line that has to be drawn, I think.
0: As well. would, would you say that most people who talk about God having everything predetermined, they actually don't know the depth of that meaning of that statement?
4: I fully agree. I fully agree. In fact, just yesterday there was a youth who called me, mm. and we had about, ironically, an hour-long discussion about just this topic, because... Allah the Almighty is described in the Holy Quran not only as al Alim, the one who knows everything that could possibly happen and also everything that will eventually happen with perfect knowledge but he's also Al-Khabir the one who is perfectly informed of everything as it is happening and this is an important distinction because the question is that look if God already knows um, about what I'm going to do, and let's say I'm, God forbid, going to go down a path that is injurious in any way and ultimately spells disaster, then why doesn't God do anything about it? That's the real question. Mm. And again, I would take it back to the fact that Allah the Almighty does do things about it. Just our, our human conscience keeps us from, I mean, we have to actively slay and mutilate and hideously disfigure our own conscience in order to take another life. That first murder that takes place in the mind of a person is first the murder of their that aspect of their conscience, and then they go. So that is a roadblock that Allah the Almighty has put to encourage us. And I think it's really important for us to always remember that as the, many atheists who, have, who, have, who think they have just stumped the idea of free will and predestination, or on the grounds of free will and predestination, rejected God or confuted the idea of God, they often quote this as their main argument. But the fact is that only Islam presents the picture of a God that makes sense within the equation of predestination and free will. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, for example, the idea of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him, coming into the world and dying for everyone's sins, and that was something they say it was predestined and whatnot. Now, it was predestined, and it was the greatest point, the pivot, I'm mean, sorry, the pinnacle of his his his, uh, mission according to many Christians today yet he's died and the people who believe in him continue going on sinning so they have not actually benefited from this Mm. so that's why when you fit the actual teachings of a religion into the paradigm of free will Islam is the only one that stands up to the test
0: see the reason the reason I asked that question it's simply because when we did the the Instagram question, we, the question was what determines our destiny and the choice was our free will or God predetermines it. And 57% said God predetermines it. and hence why hmm. that question came to mind. That uh, Yes, I said to uh, Raza earlier that uh, some people use it because it's easy to blame God for everything you do. But it's it, it surely not everybody does that for that reason, surely people actually yeah, don't know yeah. the essence yeah. of what that question is.
1: Yeah. That yeah. might might be it. Imam Sabahat, as always, it's a great pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for explaining uh, and answering some of the questions that we've had. Um, and as always, JazakAllah uh, for your time. Great to have you on. Thank you so much once again. JazakAllah. <laughs> All right, now we are going to conclude today's program with a question that was asked to His Holiness, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. How can a man be said to have free will if God knows what choices the man will make from all of us here? Thank you very much for listening in and assalamu alaikum.
6: The fact is that uh, there is a distinction between a knowledge and decree and that distinction is to be borne in mind. If anything is in Allah's knowledge, that is a different thing altogether from a decree, preset decree by Allah. That is also in Allah's knowledge. But the the shifting of responsibility is uh, decided differently in these two different cases. Now, people generally don't understand this because they project themselves into the past and say, Allah had the knowledge that we will do this thing at such and such time. So because Allah's knowledge was right, we had no option. We had to do that thing exactly as Allah Allah knew it, it, it to be. And because there is no option left for us. So despite the fact that apparently we have options, in reality we do not have options. Because if we had not acted As Allah knew we would act, then we would have defied the knowledge of Allah and it was not possible for us. This is how the confusion is created. But instead of projecting yourself into the past, if you project yourself into the future and look back at yourself at a later date, you will have the complete knowledge of what you did in the past as compared to that future. For instance, today you have eaten something and you remember it very well, and tomorrow you will have that knowledge, and a very certain knowledge of what you did in the uh, did yesterday. And that knowledge is so positive and so certain that it can never change an iota from the facts, nor the facts can deviate from that knowledge. They are fully, completely in accord with each other. Yet your knowledge of the future is not responsible for your acts of the past. You understand this relationship? And if that knowledge was shifted to the past, still it will have no bearing. So knowledge has nothing to do with their acts. It is only the decree and willful uh, decision about one's actions uh, which uh, uh, either do things or undo things. And these willful acts are responsible but knowledge as such is not responsible because allah's knowledge precedes you so you are confused but allah's knowledge apparently in terms of times precedes but in reality it is not prece- it, it does not precede it results from what you might have done it is born out of what you did did in fact so it is a child in that way of the realities. If you had not done that, Allah's knowledge would change accordingly. If at the last moment you have decided to do something else, you can do that. But Allah's knowledge would change accordingly. So because that knowledge proceeds, so you have that confusion. So when they apply the same situation to you yourself, with regard to your knowledge about what you have done, then you will realize that your knowledge is not responsible for the actions, despite the fact that the actions cannot be changed and the knowledge is perfect. See,
2: okay. thank you, you understand? Very, yes, thank you very much.
6: So, you, do you understand? Satisfied or not? Have you been able to understand this di- this difference between knowledge and decree or not?
1: Well, I would like to continue, but. Uh...
6: So you repeatedly listen to this case, this said, this because. I have come across some very hostile atheists with the same question. And, uh, (laughs) of course, I am not bracketing you with them, (laughs) but I am just quoting this to satisfy you, that although they did not want to believe in this, they thought this was the greatest weapon against the concept of God and against uh, the concept of decree and the freedom of action. Yet, after I spent a little time on the same lines, with the grace of Allah, they did not even return satisfied, but they said it in so many words. Now we follow this point. So, because I have tried it already on hostile years, so it should not be difficult for you to understand, but it's rather difficult to make this distinction, this fine distinction.
2: Inshallah. Yes. Hope. Right. <laughs> Thank you, very much.